So battle ready. <laughs> Anybody in a battle? Anybody recognizing a battle? <laughs> yes, a few of you. <laughs> it's like um, I told somebody this past week, I said, now, now I know why preachers don't preach about Satan. He does not like it. <laughs> he gets ticked, right? So it's been crazy. I told you in week one, I said, look, if we could just accomplish one thing in week one, it would be this, that you would just wake up and realize that you're in a fight, right? That there's a fight all around you. And then last week, we came back together and, I, and we talked about Peter stepping out of the boat. Do you remember this? Um, how he, he stepped out of the boat into a battle. And we talked about how when we step out of the boat into the battle, um, man, things get crazy. I asked you last week, how many of you have been going through the, like maybe the craziest week you've been in a while and hands are going up everywhere, right? And I said, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the battle, what's the one thing that we want to make sure that you do? I told you, I want to hold up a sign. I want to make sure that you could see Jesus. Okay, see the king, right. See the king. See, everybody said Jesus and they thought they got it right, but you got it right. That was exactly right. See the king. I told you, I, wanted to, I, want, I just want to be the preacher that held up Jesus so you could see the king, right? Because in the storm, a lot of times what happens is we want to study the enemy. We want to, you know, understand him and all that. You don't, I, I'm not in banking. You don't recognize counterfeit money because you study counterfeit money. You recognize counterfeit money because you study the real money. And then when you see counterfeit, you're like, this is purple and monopoly money, right? You just know right away, this is not real money. And so I want you to see Jesus. So today, Today's week three. I told you last week that today is the day that we're going to expose the enemy, right? We're going to try to help make you aware of your enemy. It's the only week in this whole series that we're going to talk about Satan. Here's why. I don't like to talk about losers. Okay? And he's a loser. The Bible says clearly that Jesus defeated him at the cross. And so why would we waste our time spending time talking about a loser when we have a victorious warrior king that we can study and know, right? So today's the one day that we will, exp amen. That was baby talk for loser. <laughs> today's the day that we will expose the enemy. I want, I, want, I want for you what Paul wanted for the Corinthian church, okay? So 2 Corinthians 2.11 um, let me just walk you, walk you from verse 1 to verse 11, okay, so you kind of get the context. Because um, he's talking in relationships, and he's saying this to the Corinthian church. Forgive one another. Like, forgive each other. Reconcile. Make your relationships glorify God. Forgive each other. Come together so that, and then he gets to verse 11, you won't be outwitted by your enemy. For we, we are not unaware of the devil's schemes. That's the sentence that I want you to remember. We're not unaware of the devil's schemes. And here's why. Here's the one thing I want you to know today is I want you to be aware of your enemy. Because if you're not aware of your enemy, bad things can happen. Here's how I know. I, I'm a runner. I don't know if you have any runners in the room right now. But I'm a runner, so I, I read weird running stories all the time. These, these three stories all true, okay? There was a lady who went out of, her door, out of her house and she put on her headphones and she started running out of her neighborhood. And as she's turning the corner around her neighborhood, she got killed by a tree that fell on her. Because she had her, ear, her earbuds in. She didn't hear it. She wasn't aware of her surroundings. Tree, dead, right? I know that was a weird way to start the sermon, but hang with me. There was a man who was visiting friends in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He goes out running early in the morning. It's dark. He's running 
and he doesn't, like, he's not familiar with where he is. And so in the dark, he just kind of running, he's in the zone, and he just kind of jumped over this little barrier, thinking he was kind of like jumping onto a path, and instead he jumped off the overpass and died. He didn't, he wasn't aware of his surroundings. Those are really weird stories, aren't they? The third one's better. You ready? Four or five years ago, on a beach in South Carolina, a man, on the day that he was supposed to leave to go back to his hometown where he was visiting from, goes running on the beach. He puts in his iPod. Uh, he's got his, he, puts in, he puts in his iPod. He, he's got his iPod, puts on his, his earbuds. He's running on the beach. And far, far above him, miles and miles away, an airplane, a single-engine airplane, loses its power. The engine shuts off, and the pilot has no choice but to fly it like a glider. So there's no sound, no power. He's just trying to glide it down safely, and he decides to land on the beach. And so he glides down and lands on the man who's running and kills him. Because the man had his music going, couldn't hear anything, wasn't aware of what I'm just telling you. Now that I think about it, I should not be a runner, right? Like that's, these are really, these are three really bad running stories. When you're not aware of what's going around you, things can get a little bit weird, right? Now a lot of you can't relate to running, so I'll just give you one example that all of you can relate to. People that pick their nose in the car at stoplights. We've all seen it, possibly done it, but it's because we forget our surroundings. We, we become unaware of what's around us. When you're unaware of things that are around you, bad things tend to happen. So Paul said to the Corinthian church, I want you to be aware of the devil's schemes. So today, today, I want to do this. I want to expose the enemy. I want to expose for us his mission, his strategy, and give you some practical questions that you can recognize in your own head so that you know when he's attacking you. Um, one more story and then we'll get started. It's my favorite story. Anytime, anytime I talk about like exposing things, I have to tell the story. And if you've heard it before, don't ruin it, okay? Because people that are next to you and haven't heard it, they're going to love the story. There was a church and they had church in the round. I don't know if you know what that means. But like this is not church in the round. This is, there's a stage and I get up there sometimes and preach or sometimes I'll do it right here. The band's up there. But we all sit in one location and look this direction, right? Church in the round is you take that stage and put it in the middle of the room and seats go all around that stage. That's what church in the round means, okay? So this was that kind of church, huge church. And so they have the stage, and they had a baptism service one time. Well, they didn't have any changing rooms. So what the guys in the church decided to do was they put, they put um, like these big metal cables up here and cables up there, and they hung these really thick black curtains on each side of the platform. So that way, you know, men could go in here and prepare for baptism, and women could do it here, and they would come out and get baptized, get all wet, and they'd go back in their spot, and they would, you know, change and, and then all that stuff. Anyway, so this older gentleman comes up, and he gets baptized, and he comes up out of the water. He's soaking wet, and he goes walking off, and he gets into his, the man cave thing, and he's changing. After he gets baptized, a woman, an older woman, gets in the, in the tank, and she gets baptized, and she comes up, and she came up Pentecostal. You know what that means? She came up kicking, screaming, dancing. She came out of the tank, and she's, like, dancing all, all over the place. She's, like, splashing water on people. And as she's dancing, she got her foot caught on that curtain, and she pulled. And when she pulled that curtain, came away. And that man was naked in front of the whole church. So this usher, 
And listen, if you are here, let me just say, if, this, if you're here and you're on a, a, if you're a servant leader, you're on an iOS, it means I offer service. If you're on one of our iOS teams, you know, you work in the back, doing sound, doing sound uh, you're on the team up here, you're at the door. If you're one of those people in hospitality, we love you, right? Because you help church run smoothly. And so in this church, there was an usher, just a quick thinking usher. And so he ran as fast as he could to the light switch and cut all the lights off. So you got to picture this, right? You're at church that day. Woman's getting happy, hooks the leg, pulls it, curtain drops, naked man, whoa, lights out. And the usher's in the back going, one, two, he counts to 30. He's thinking, that's surely enough time for this man to have, like, done something. He turns the lights back on, and that man's just frozen naked in front of everybody. <laughs> so I'm telling you that story. Here's why. Because we're going to expose the enemy today, right? I'm going to share with you his mission. It's kind of a three-pronged mission, his strategy to do it. And at some point during today's message, because you're like me, right, you're going to realize I've fallen for that stuff. I've been duped by Satan. And you're going to feel like you've been exposed. And we're not trying to pull the curtain and have you totally exposed in front of the whole church, right? What we're trying to do is expose the enemy, but you're going to kind of feel like maybe we exposed you. That's not our intent. So just hear me say this clearly. There is never any shame in the light of the gospel. There's never shame in the light of the gospel, okay? We want to expose him, not expose you, okay? So everybody take a deep breath. Here we go. Ready? First thing we're going to talk about is that Satan has a mission statement. Satan actually has a mission statement. Now, if you're in business or you work for maybe a nonprofit organization, um, you are familiar with the mission statement. It's that thing that somebody at your job place spent a lot of time. Maybe they brought in outsiders. They did a lot of surveys. And then they, they wrote something up on a picture frame. And then they put the words mission statement above it. They framed it, hung it on the wall, and you don't have any idea what it says. Right? That's how mission statements normally work. Sometimes they're very, very wordy, right? And so I brought one um, from, from GM. Now, I have been told between services, in full disclosure, that this used to be their official mission statement. Now they've changed it, but we'll go with this one, okay? This, is, this used to be GM's official mission statement, okay? Here's here. Let me, I'm going to read it for you. GM is a multinational corporation engaged in socially responsible operations worldwide. It is dedicated to provide products and services of such quality that our customers will receive superior value while our employees and business partners will share our success and our stockholders will receive a sustained superior return on their investment. Whew. They lost me at GM. It's long, big words, and never mentions what they actually do, which is make money. Who said money? Make money. And they do by making cars, right? They make cars that then they sell and make a profit. Mm -mm. Yeah, yeah. So, so the good news is what I found out between services is they, they, they got rid of that because somebody said, man, Paul preached such a good message at 9 o'clock that you need to change your mission. And so they did. They changed it. That's no longer the mission statement. Now they have one that actually says they make vehicles, right? That's a, that's a really long, wordy mission statement. Probably not the best one. Um, anybody ever heard of a place called Airbnb? 
Airbnb has a mission statement. You know what it is? Two words, belong anywhere. That's a good mission statement. That's a good mission statement. Uh, There's another mission statement I've heard recently. It goes like this. We live near God in order to be sent to those far from him. That's our mission statement. It's a good one, right? Now, you may not have recognized it because we don't often say the whole sentence. We sometimes just boil that down to six words. And the six words are near God, near man, making disciples. That's our mission statement. Mission statements are good because they keep you focused on where you're supposed to go. They help you know what you're supposed to do. So, like, as an example, when we move into this space over here and the city calls us one day and says, Hey, look, we're looking for a venue we can get a bunch of people together so we can have a meeting, would it be possible to use your space? Guess what we'll say? Yeah, because we want to be near man, and we want to help them get near God, right? So it kind of guides everything that you do. People don't talk about Satan this way, but Satan has a mission statement. He has a purpose. Like Satan got up this morning, and he had a reason to exist today, and it's found in John 10.10. Here's the mission statement. It says that the thief comes, and depending on what version you have, I've got the NIV. The the thief comes only, everybody say only. Only. What does the word only mean? He ain't doing nothing else but this. This is his whole reason for living. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That is Satan's mission statement. So when people think Satan's a nice guy, He's not really that bad. He's not even probably real. One, he's real. And two, he is really that bad because he just wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So how does he do it? How do we we expose this plan? Let Let me give you the ways that he does those three things. He wants to steal, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy. Um, Remember the guy that that was naked when the curtain was pulled out and he was like frozen naked, right? Listen, if, if knowing up here what his plan is and knowing up here what his strategy is, if that's all that it took, then Jesus took care of this almost 2,000 years ago because he was speaking to his disciples when he said, John 10, 10, the, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And they would have been like, oh, of course he does. God, I'm so glad you told us that, Jesus, because now we'll never fall for it again. But how many of you have ever fallen for Satan's tactics? in the last hour, right? Like on the way to church, right? On the way to church, you were arguing with people and went, what are we doing, right? I mean, we fall for this stuff all the time because it's not about head knowledge, okay? It's not just about head knowledge. Although we're talking a lot about stuff to know, it's not just about head knowledge. It's about being aware, seeing him for who he is and understanding how he tries to do the stuff that he does. So here's the part where you're gonna suddenly realize, oh, I've fallen for this stuff. I've, I've actually fallen for this stuff. There's a lot of grace here. There's no shame. But here's the first, the first tactic that he has. How does he steal from us? Through, yeah, through, and through deception. He steals by deception. Here's how I know. I've never been a thief, but if I was a thief, here's how I would not steal from you. Walk up to your house in the middle of the day, knock on the door. You'd open the door and go, uh, I don't know you. I know you don't know me. I'm actually here to rob everything you have. Can I just come in now? I've, I've, got, a, I've got a moving van. 
There's backing up right now. We just want to put it all in here. And just Would I rob from you like that? I've never been the victim of identity theft. But I'm pretty sure that people don't walk up to you and go, can I borrow your credit card? I'll bring it back never. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Here, take it. Make sure you get that identification number on the back. Three digits, right? We don't, no, it's all done through deception. A real thief is going to come at night. He's going to come when you're not there. He's going to come when you can't see him. It's all hidden. Identity theft. I, I, mean, I know Craig works all the time in this kind of stuff. They're, they're coming through the back door. They're not, trying, they're not walking straight in, right? It's all through deception. This is your enemy. He steals from us through deception. A couple verses just to show you. Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. Now listen, if you're new to church, you're kind of new to the Bible, then I'm, I'm assuming that you know the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. But if you don't, let me give you a real quick, quick recap. So God creates Adam, and then Adam needs Eve. So God creates Eve, gives Eve to Adam, and says, eat from any tree, any tree in the garden except for one. If you eat from that tree, you'll die. They must have been teenagers because they did not listen, right? So in Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, Satan comes to Eve, and here's what Satan says. You won't die. Deception, right? You won't die. Just eat it. God knows you'll be like him if you eat it. Deception. This is how he, this is how he operates. Um, 2 Corinthians 11.3. 2 Corinthians 11.3, it says this. I'm kind of paraphrasing, okay? You can look it up later. That if Satan could, Paul says, I fear that like Eve, Satan may deceive you and, re and take from you the purity and simplicity of the gospel. How many of you have forgotten through all of your years of following Jesus that the gospel is really simple? It's amazing how we complicate it, isn't it? We have to do these five things and make sure you're there this time. On I mean, make sure you read five verses a day. It's just crazy, right, how complicated we make this. But the gospel is very simple. I need a Savior, and God sent Jesus. When did you stop needing Jesus? Nobody. We never stopped needing Jesus. Everybody needs the gospel, right? The simplicity of the gospel. So Paul said to the Corinthian church, like, don't let the, e don't let the evil, don't let the enemy come in and steal through deception that you need just a simple gospel. Satan always steals through deception. He also comes to kill, right? So how does Satan kill? He's not pulling a gun out, I don't think, and shooting you. He kills through doubt. Genesis 3.1. The first thing he says when he's talking to Eve, he said this, did God really say? I mean, and Eve's like, well, now that you mention it, did God really say that? Did God really say that I would die? I mean, listen, what he does, he comes and he tries to make you doubt God's word. He wants to make you doubt God's word. And if he can make you doubt God's word, then he can begin to kill God's truth in you. Matthew 4, 3, Jesus is in the desert. He is, um, he's been there for 40 days. He's been fasting. I, I don't know how you guys are, but when I fast, I like it to go fast. <laughs> like, I'm not slowing, right? I'm fasting. So he's 40 days without food. And at the end of that 40 days, Satan shows up, and we know that Satan has a mission statement, and is what? To steal, kill, and destroy. So he's got that same mission with Jesus. Now, Jesus is... 
important to the gospel, correct? He is the Son of God. He is Yahweh. He is the Messiah. He is the one who was to come. And if you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, it's because you were all in on who, who, on who he is, right? You don't get in the car and go, ah, Jesus, now I'm not really sure. I mean, you know, like I know, I'm all in on Jesus Christ as the Messiah and the Savior of my life. Satan shows up, Matthew 4, 3, and this is what he says to, to Jesus, to Jesus, if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, turn these stones to bread, like if you're the Son of God. I'm just telling you something, if Satan would attempt to make Jesus doubt his identity, why are we surprised when he tries to make us doubt our identity? So he'll try to get you to doubt God's word, he wants to get you to doubt your identity, Here's what it looks like when you doubt your identity, okay? Ephesians 3.20. God says he'll do more than I can ever ask or imagine. I mean, it, it must be important because, like, Casey read it during worship, and then Jennifer talked about it, and then Paul prayed about it. God, all I do is fold laundry all day long. I guess you don't have a plan for me. And just that one statement, he's made you doubt your identity. Because your identity is as a child of the king. Whether you're folding laundry or whether you're standing on a platform speaking to thousands of people. Whether you are the, thank, the person who's never thanked at your job, you do all the thankless stuff, or you are in the spotlight. You're still the same person. You are the child of the king. That's your identity. And Satan wants to, he wants to make you doubt that. James chapter 1. I love James chapter 1, verse 5, my, one of my favorite verses in the Bible because I pray it all the time. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, <laughs> and I feel like I like wisdom a lot. If anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and God will give generously without judging you and saying, man, you should know this by now. He just says, you need some wisdom, here's some more, here's some more, here's some more. So that's James 1, 5. 6 and 7, James goes on and says, but when you pray, don't doubt, because if you doubt, then you're like a man who's tossed on the ocean, waves back and forth, and that man will receive nothing from God. So, so Satan, he steals from us by making us doubt. He makes us doubt God's word. Did God really say he makes us doubt our identity if you're the son of God? And then he makes us doubt God's provision. Well, I know you ask God for wisdom, but what do you think he really will? Let me tell you how this plays out in my, how it played out in my life. In high school, See, I don't have time for the whole testimony, but in my senior year in high school, I was, I was depressed, I was suicidal, had a very, very, very poor self-image. And so my, son, my, my, my lunch times at school, here's what I would do every single day, five days a week. I would go to the band room, because I was in a band, I was a band geek, um, and I would walk back into the band room at Albemarle High School, and I would go into the closet where we stored all of the instruments, and I would find an empty tuba cubby hole. Tuba cubby holes are big, right? Because you got to put the whole tube in there. And I would sit in that cubby hole. Five days a week. Because I didn't believe that God saw me, right? That God, I'm crying out to you, but you're not answering me. I doubted his provision. And then I get saved. And that fixes everything, right? No one wants to say... What? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Have you noticed that yet? Like, we still wrestle with the same stuff. Then I get saved, and I go to church, and, like, I would go to the services where, where everybody gets prayed for, and everybody walks out going, that was amazing. And I'm just like, what about me? Satan will kill God's plan in your life 
if he can get you to doubt God's answer and his provision. He's all about doubt. So he steals through deception. He kills us through doubt. And then he wants to, what's the third thing? Destroy. And he destroys us through distraction. Okay? He destroys through distraction. He, he would love just to get you a little bit off of focus. The Bible talks a lot about, you know, um, it's, it, the verses aren't up there, but like in Philippians, you know, Paul says just forgetting everything and doing this one thing, right? Um, Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2 says, let us throw off every sin that entangles us and let us run the race that's marked out for us. Like get rid of all the stuff that's distracting you and just focus on what's most important and run after that. Uh, it's not up there, but just write down Haggai. No, no one ever reads Haggai, but it's H-A-G-G-A-I. It's an Old Testament book. It's um, a prophet. It's a very short book. And here's basically, um, here's basically what, what happens in the book of Haggai. This old man named Haggai stands up in front of, you know, a whole nation of Israel and says this. Again, paraphrasing for time, right? He goes, we really need to build a temple for God. But we can't because... You keep telling me you don't have any money to do it because your houses look fantastic. And we can't fix this because your houses look fantastic. And there's not, how many of you have a house? Live in a house, sleep in a bed? Nothing wrong with that, right? So what God does, what, what Satan wants to do is he wants to take, he wants to take the good thing and make it better than the God who gave it. He wants to take the blessing and make it bigger than the blesser. The gift is greater than the giver. I could do this all day, right? <laughs> You're like, please don't. He distracts us, even with good things. Okay, I need to make sure you get this, because you're not. So, watch this. If, and it would be great if this was true, if the whole purpose of my life, if my whole reason for existing was to walk from this spot to that camera, one, y'all have to move, but it, just go with me. If that was my whole reason, there's a straight line from here to there, and I've got 70 some odd years to do it, just to move from here to there, how does Satan destroy that plan? Well, he, he could, he could like cause some distraction that doesn't make me go way over there. It just makes me today turn a little bit away. And then the next day, a little bit away. He's really nice this way. Oh, she's beautiful this way. And before I get, when I, at the end of my life, I'm way over there. Just because I got distracted and never corrected. Listen. Write, write this down if you're taking notes. Three words. Distraction destroys destiny. Distraction destroys destiny. And if I'm destined to go from here to there and I get distracted, it will destroy my destiny. This is such an uplifting message. I can sense it. So we're exposing the enemy, right? We're exposing the enemy. Why are we exposing the enemy? So that you can recognize his plan and his tactics and how he wants to get into our lives and ruin us. Now, all of this 
of course, I'm holding up Jesus, right? Because we want to see Jesus. He is victorious. He's our king. And that's what matters the most. But practically speaking, because next week when you come back, every week beyond today is all going to be about offensive weapons, offensive strategies. God has given us armor. He's given us tools. He's given us encouragement. All these things that we can do offensively in the battle. The rest of this series is all about that. You're going to love it. But today, practically speaking, right, when you walk out of here, how do you recognize I mean, right now, I feel like I'm doing a pretty decent job of teaching you. So you're like, I got the mission statement, steal, kill, destroy. I, I got, okay, uh, deception, doubt, distraction. I got that, check. But have you ever had a conversation with somebody and it's super important and you remember it and then you get in the car and turn the radio on and you're like, what did we talk about? Has that ever happened to you or is it just me? Okay. So, so tomorrow you're going to wake up and you're going to be right back in the battle and you're not going to remember what I said. You're, you're like, um... I know it was important, but what was it? So I'm going to give you three questions. If you're taking notes, just three questions that when you hear these questions go through your mind, and you'll unpack this more in community group this week, but the battle is always here. Always here. Everybody say always. Always. Here. Here. Not in your friend's mind, your mind. It's always here. Always. Did Did I mention always? Okay, always. So these are three thoughts that when they go through your mind, they should clue you in. Wait a second. This is, this is part of the enemy's strategy. Okay? So here they are. Real quick. When Satan, when Satan is attacking us to um, steal from us and he's, doing, he's using deception, you're going to think this, you're, you're going to think in your head, what's happening? What's happening now for some of us in the room we don't we're not even that proactive we wake up and go what happened right I mean it's past tense but but I want to get you to the place where you can see it happening um when when Wendy and I when our kids were smaller (laughs) when our kids were smaller what would happen is we'd be laying in the bed and you ever like if you got small kids you already know you're so doggone tired aren't you just exhausted right if you haven't had children yet you should still have them. They're a lot of fun. But you're so tired when you lay down, right? You're so tired at night. And I want to be the protector of my home, you know, the king of the castle. I want to be all that stuff. But when I'm really tired at night and Wendy says, did you hear that? I'm like, hear what, right? I mean, I heard it for sure. I heard it, right? And it sounded like a doorknob, but I'm tired. I'm not getting out of the bed, you know. Go check it out, mighty woman of God, right? I'm I'm tired. (laughs) I did. I I would actually eventually go, but, or I just wait till they come to the room and shoot them. But um, (laughs) with, with a gun I don't own, right? Anyway, I digress. The point is that little what's happening question is kind of like that. It's like, I don't think it's anything and I guess I could ignore it. But whatever you want to call it, intuition, that little voice in your head, um, I like to call it that weird thing in my heart and spirit that just makes me go, I don't know what's going on, but something's happening. What's happening? That's a really good question that goes through your head that should clue you in that you have an enemy who wants to steal from you and he's going to do it through deception. So pay attention to that. I've had conversations with people that started like this. I don't know if this is anything at all, but something just doesn't feel right. And sometimes they go, 
something's wrong with you. And then sometimes they just go, bleh. You're like, holy cow, that's what was happening. When it comes to steal through deception, pay attention to that question, what's happening. Here's the second question. If he's, if he's beginning to attack you through doubt, if he's beginning to, um, to kill you through doubt, you'll ask, what if? We ask, what if, all the time. <laughs> You know, goodness gracious. And have you noticed we never ask the good what if. It's always the bad what if. You know, and now I know this from practical experience. I have been in a position a couple times now where I had a steady job with a steady paycheck. And God told me I was supposed to leave that and step into an unsteady job with no paycheck. Okay, so I, this is not theory for me. This is real life. I've done this before. And you start to say things like, I'll do it. And then later when you're laying in the bed, you're like, but what if, what if when I go speak at those churches, love offering really is a lot of love and no offering? By the way, it is. That is why they call it love offering. It's a lot of love, little offering. I know, I've received them. All the what ifs. What if I step out in faith and then the car breaks down? What if... The house burns down. What if the kids get sick? And it's always what ifs that have not even happened yet. And you will talk yourself out of a God plan and promise on things that haven't even happened yet. And when you do, the enemy has successfully killed the vision that God gave you. What if? So whenever you experience that, just flip it around on Satan, okay? When he says to you, well, what if the car breaks? Just say, what if it doesn't? What if God comes through? What if me stepping by faith into this thing that God called me to do opens up a future that I never thought could have happened? What if this is the beginning of my Ephesians 3.20 moment where it's more than I could have ever asked or imagined? What if? Just throw it back on him, okay? And then the last one. When he's trying to destroy us through distraction, um, all the ADD people, this is your question. What's that, right? What's that? Man, he loves to distract us with that question. Like, just anything. He'll use anything to divert our attention long enough to make us go, Ooh, what's that? And then you're just heading down, not even, a, not even a wrong path, just not the path that God had for you. And I, and I don't know how to encourage you any more strongly than this. I've been distracted many times in my life by really good blessings from God. Because they went from being blessings from God to being God. Thank you, Jesus. You, I got a raise. And now you're all about just whatever you do with that money that you got. But it became the vehicle that just distracted you enough to get you a little bit off course. And it's always so subtle that you're never walking towards the camera and then you're just a little bit off, but you're like, I can still see it. I'm good. I'm, 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 I'm good. And it's not until you're way down the road that you realize, how did I get here? Somewhere along the way there was that question, what's that? And you pursued it, right? So pay attention to that question. What happened? Or hopefully what's happening? What if and what's that? So I got you this point. And I'm going to send you out. <laughs> so this is the only time of the whole series that we'll talk about something this, the right? Because we just talked about a loser for a week. And I'm sending you out. And it's, it's possible that I'm sending you out feeling worse than when you came in here. And I totally recognize that. 
But come back next week. It's going to be really, really good. Every single week beyond this is all about offensive stuff. I'm going to teach you how to stick it to the, the devil. It's going to be so fantastic. You're going to love it, right? Can I say that? I did. And then we're recording this when it's going to be live. So um, it's going to be great. But today, I want to give you something practical that you can hang your hat on for the week, okay? Because, like we said, as we've been exposing the enemy, it's very possible that you have kind of at times felt exposed um, depending on how your, your marriage and best friends are around you, it's possible that not only did you feel exposed, but they turned to you at times and went, ah, oh, that's you. <laughs> and then you really were exposed, right? So it's possible that you just kind of feel like Satan wants to just hang your head like, God, I failed again. That's what he wants to do, okay? So I want to point out this last verse. It's Matthew chapter 14, verse 31. We talked about Matthew 14 last week, okay? So this is not a new story. This is the story of Peter. And he's stepping out of the boat, right? He's in the boat. This, remember all this last week? He, the, the waves are going. And man, I'm telling you, I love this series. I learned so much through this series. I'm learning while I'm teaching you. And I love that, right? So what I, what I take away from last week was all my years in Sunday school, when we talked about the story of Peter walking on the water, the waves were like itty-bitty waves. And Jesus was like, whoa, you know. But I realized last week that these waves were big enough to terrify grown men. And Jesus walked on them. I just love that, okay? So Jesus walks on those waves. He calls Peter out of the boat. And Peter steps out of the boat. And we all know the story we talked about last week. Peter's walking towards Jesus. Everything's going great. And then he sees the yeah, distractions, right? He's distracted just a little bit off of Jesus. That's one of the taxes that Satan uses. And then he begins to doubt. Like he goes, Jesus is big, but whoa, big wave. Doubt, right? He begins to sink. And what I love is, if that's you, and it's possible you're here, and like, as I've been talking, you almost feel like you're sinking more and more, like, God, I can't beat this. Peter called out to Jesus, and here, here's, here's how long it took Jesus to answer. What's the first word? I'm sorry, what? Immediately. Immediately. That's how long it took Jesus to save Peter. Immediately. And, and I want to pray over you this morning. Okay, if you're here and you feel like, God, thanks, Paul, you exposed Satan, but now I feel like an idiot for being duped. Listen, see Jesus, see Jesus, and know that when you call on him, immediately he reaches his hand out and pulls you out. Immediately. Now, in the weeks to come in this series, you're going to find he, he reaches his hands out, he picks you up, and he puts you in the boat, and in the boat, he has a little lesson with the disciples, and he goes, now listen, I'm going to give you some stuff so you can take care of that loser devil, and that's what we'll do the rest of the series, okay? But let me do this. Just close your eyes right now, and I just want to give you the chance to just say, hey, pray for me, please, and I want to close this morning praying for you, and then we'll, we'll go eat lunch. So. so if you're here, and as I've been talking, you've You've kind of identified that cruddy, let's just call it that cruddy feeling, like, God, you're looking back over your life, and you're looking back maybe over your biggest regrets, you're looking back over decisions you made yesterday, or last week, or a month ago, or things you've been thinking about doing, and now you're realizing, wait, maybe that's not God. It could be the worst feeling in the world to admit that that's where we are, and that we're sinking, but if that's you, I want you to raise your hand and say, that's me, and will you please pray for me? Thank you so much. Thank you. Anybody else? Thanks so much for the hands. Thank you. Thank you. 
Again, just so you know, you don't feel the condemnation that Satan loves. That's another trick of his. It's, he'll play it in your head right now, condemnation. If it was as simple as just knowing, Jesus would have taken care of that 2,000 years ago. He already told us what we need to know. But now what I'm going to pray is that he would fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit to live out what you know. It's so interesting. On the back of the, the sheet you've been taking notes on, on the back of that card, it says this from John 13, 17. It's good. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. And it's because he gives you the Holy Spirit so you can go do these things. So you can recognize these questions in your head and you can recognize his tactics. And, and God, I just, I want to close this morning just praying for those that raised their hands. And those that did not and know now that they should have. And uh, all that stuff up in their head said, don't raise your hand. And again, enemy, enemy, enemy. I pray right now. That, that we would experience what Peter did as he was on the water and then he was in the water and he cried out to Jesus. And when Jesus immediately picked him up, what I love about that picture, and those of us that raise our hands, we can relate to this, the shame that comes from drowning, the shame that comes from sinking into the water when you know you should be walking on it. When Peter sank, all he could see he was eye level with waves and water and wind. But when Jesus picked him up, he was eye level with the king. He saw Jesus. And I believe this God that he, he got back in that boat. He was a different man than the one that stepped out. And my prayer for those here this morning that raised their hand is that they would, they would be eye level right now with you. Oh, man, they would, as much as we've talked about Satan and exposed the enemy, that right now in this moment, they would see you. You would fill up their vision. And that you would put them back into a place where they can learn more from you and walk with the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for... The truth of the word that exposes the enemy because we know this. We know that exposing the enemy allows us to see the battle more clearly. And I pray that this would be a week when we see the battle clearly. We recognize his tactics and we call out to you and you help us walk in victory. In your name, Jesus. Amen.